0: Standard of Paranormal Radio, and now here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Now, of course, one of the complaints we often make about news coverage about paranormal events is they don't treat it seriously. Of course, UFOs are treated more seriously now, with the 2017 article in the New York Times, and the Washington Post, and Politico, and the Pentagon program, and. Tom DeLong, I don't know how serious that is but what's really bad about the mainstream media is consolidation so people of course talk about liberal media and such things really it's corporate media in terms of broadcasting so we go into it but NBC CBS ABC ABC is Disney by the way Fox owned by big corporations The CW with all the superhero shows, that's a combination of Warner Brothers and CBS. See what I mean? Big corporations. And that means they control the news that you hear. As far as the news that you read, the local newspaper has been an endangered endangered species for many years. And there's more and more consolidation. And now there's a report here that the two largest newspaper chains in america are merging its gatehouse media which is owned by a private equity corporation and gannett gannett is an old newspaper chain going back i think to the 19th century and most of you will know the publications they have they include the arizona republic i used to be a columnist for them usa today the detroit free press And the Palm Beach Post and the Austin American Statesman and the Akron Beacon Journal are gatehouse. So it's all going to be merged, which means, of course, when you have a merger, it's not just synergies or all that. It means people are being let go. Newsrooms might be shrunk. They may combine the news from several papers. You see what I mean? With a few local splashes. What this means is there will be less sources for reliable news as a result of mergers like this and what's happening in the broadcast industry. So we folks laboring in the paranormal fields, wanting to get the word out about UFOs, we have fewer outlets, unfortunately. Laurian Fenton, our guest for this week, let me ask you quickly before we talk about last week's episode and other stuff, what's your feeling about the loss of independent media
2: oh gene well thank you so much for having me on the show today first of all thank you thank you i really appreciate being here second the conglomerations that are emerging in the in the mainstream media oh my god what a nightmare does nothing good for us it doesn't help the ufo community doesn't help the conspiracy community it doesn't help my jfk community it doesn't help any of them at all because it's it's all around mind control that's what this is all about it's all about Taking over every scrap of media, social media, print media, television media, cable media, any place they can go, even your sports programs, all have versions of mind control involved in them. And if people don't realize that, then, you know, I don't even know what to say anymore. This is crazy. How did this happen to us? See, the problem is the the Rico Act, the uh, Monopolies Act, you know, whatever it was. I can't even remember what it is right now because I'm so riled up. But there is an act in our government that doesn't allow this to happen. Do you remember when the telephone companies broke up in the was it '70s, early '80s, that they broke them all up because AT and T was buying them all up? I think is that correct? AT and T
1: was Ma Bell. They owned everything. That's
2: right. And they-, they owned everything and they made them break them up because you cannot have fair trade and commerce, real commerce, if there's an oligarchy, a monopoly, of these people running every aspect of your life. It's like, okay, I'll give you a great example. I'm living in California. We just had all these fires again. PGE is our only source of electricity here in the whole freaking state. And I can't tell you what that does. This is an ex- of a giant monopoly that they should have broken up years ago. And every city, every county in in California should have run their own electrical company. And that's how it should have been. But they got in with the government. I don't know how they're doing it. PG&E started raising our rates after the coma explosion. Do you remember that? Where they killed uh, like, Five people, and they destroyed a whole neighborhood with a gas explosion, and they were found guilty because all their gas lines were um, faulty. After that, they declared bankruptcy, and then they started raising our rates, and they said it was because the company that sells them electricity was raising the rates on them. Well, it turns out that the company selling them the electricity they also owned.
1: Talk about (laughs) self-dealing.
2: I know. I was like I was flabbergasted and nobody paid any attention to this happening it was like it just happened I'm like why are people so complacent that they, they allow all this to go on well anyhow the shenanigans finally got exposed I think it was through the San Jose Mercury news by the way which was a garnet enterprise I think oh you know woe is the day that the poor San Jose Mercury news who had Gary Webb and everybody involved with them years ago do you remember that whole scandal the cocaine dealing and the uh, south la anyhow i'm going off on a tangent but the point i'm trying to make is it's just that how can these things happen right under our noses and we don't pay attention and i gotta tell you folks it's all because they're slapping you every day with some form of mind control to keep you like a sheep just like they do from the day you walk in it to first grade in grade school they start making everybody conform and if you don't conform now they put you on drugs back when i was a kid they'd slap your wrist or they would tell you you're going to hell if you went to a catholic school if you went to a public school they tell you that you never get a job you're never going to amount anything you know that kind of tactic but now they just throw the kids on drugs and then look what happens i mean it's mind-boggling i don't even know what to say don't get me angry
1: <laughs> you're not angry now as someone once said in a comic book you don't want to see me when i'm angry
2: That's right. It's like, I can't believe that people allow this stuff to happen every day right under their noses and they do nothing about it and they don't care until we have something like the fire, then all their electricity is turned off. Everybody's like up in arms about the fact that every grocery store lost millions of dollars worth of food. Um, Nobody could, uh, people died because they couldn't get their oxygen, even though they had backup generators. I mean, all kinds of things were going on. It's just, it was insanity for five days here in California. And, And it was punishment. It had nothing to do with anything. It had everything to do with the fact that they never upgraded the system for 50 years. 50 years, they refused to upgrade the system. They were supposed to put their all their wiring underground years ago. They never did it. They were supposed to insulate all the wiring out on the roads that are still above ground. They never did it. They didn't do anything they needed to do so that their shareholders could get huge profits and all the CEOs could get millions of dollars every year. And that's what they did. And we all got, you know, just bamboozled over this whole thing.
1: Welcome to corporate America, ladies and gentlemen. Here in the Phoenix area, the Phoenix metro area, we have two electric companies servicing us. Obviously, each has their own territory. One is APS, the other is SRP, which stands for Salt River Project. Now, we have SRP here. And during the summer, we get occasional power outages. In Arizona, It can get up to 120 in the shade. Now, imagine the power goes out for a few hours. You know but what you, I mean?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, power going out for a few hours not a problem. But when they start telling you just days before they're going to do it, we're having a weather event, they use that as an excuse. And then they punish the whole state, all, all of us. It was like 9 million people have no power for five days, up to five days, most of them.
3: Oh I mean, boy. Yeah, that, this was really, it was really, yeah, uh, I was listening to one of your recent shows about this and I had, I was going to be bringing this up in the show to see if things have stabilized with your power and fires down there and and explore some of the extent of it. But I was really amazed at the extent of the power losses and the length of time that literally hundreds of thousands of people were out of power down there in Northern California.
1: I want to tell you this, I'm going to be amazed at the announcements coming up. More to come with Laurie and Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast.
4: We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special. In multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large, a lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the PowerCast. You go to store.thepowercast.com,
5: stop by and take a shopping tour. We can all agree these are troubled times, right? So do you know who's on your wireless network? Whether it's a big company selling your data or a foreign hacker, if you're not protected, everybody sees your information. That's why you need Flash Routers, a custom Wi Fi router created for privacy. Flash Routers uses a virtual private network or VPN to protect your online activity from hackers, trackers, and large corporations. And not just one, but all your devices with one out of the box setup. Plus, Flash Routers also enhances your wireless network performance and unlocks powerful router management tools to let you take total control of your network call or click flash routers today at 1-866-509-5817 or flashrouters.com that's 1-866-509-5817 or FlashRouters.com. protect your wireless home network today with flash routers
7: Join me, George Norrie, at the Health Freedom Expo October 25th and 26th in Tinley Park near Chicago. The Health Freedom Expo is an incredible weekend exploring the latest in natural and alternative medicine with more than 100 lectures, workshops, and exhibits. Meet leading experts including Patch Adams, Lisa Oz, Ocean Robbins, Doc Wallach, Aaron Elizabeth, and so many more. Plus, I'll host a luncheon and discussion on natural healing breakthroughs. The Health Freedom Expo can help you learn to achieve a naturally vibrant and healthy life. Join us to explore how you can take your wellness into your own hands and meet others who are doing the same thing. Get your tickets today at TrinityHealthFreedomExpo.com. That's TrinityHealthFreedomExpo.com, or call one triple eight. 658-3976 That's one Health 658 3976 TrinityHealthExpo.com or one triple eight six five eight three nine seven six. 3976
0: we'd like to hear from you if you have a comment or question about the paracast send it to news at theparacast.com that's news at theparacast.com and don't forget to visit our famous paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com
1: now on the paracast quite often when we start the show we have a few ideas of where we want to go But Lorian Fenton is just so great in telling us about what's going on. And I know she's a little shy about it. You've noticed that. (laughs) (laughs) But really, 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 we're seeing here how we can bring up conspiracies about everything, about corporate control, government control. I mean we can go in many directions here power companies especially the way they can exert control over you look we can cut your power if we don't like you okay but even worse imagine hacking the power grid which they can do you know we talked about the 2016 election how hackers from Russia and 24 of them by the way were indicted by Bob Mueller in that particular investigation but they can never be charged because they're in Russia now, we don't have to go into the politics about this, but if they can do that, and they did that quite easily, power grids, what else? Nuclear power plants? My heavens.
3: Well, nuclear is just you know another aspect. I mean, you'll get the people on the nuclear side saying, oh, it's so clean and, and it's so much better than the CO2 emitting power plants. But when you really start to look into it... It's still not that safe. Something like 70% of them are leaking radiation right now. There could be another meltdown at any given time. And, you know, Lorian, what you were saying about people just getting used to things going wrong and big companies having things go wrong, like, let's not forget Fukushima now, too.
2: Yeah, Fukushima is still leaking, radiation every day, and no one's talking about it anymore. It makes me nuts.
3: Exactly, and the amount that it's leaking, if it would have been reported, say Fukushima never happened, just the amount that it's leaking on a daily basis would be a front page report. That's right. For some reason, and this drives me crazy too, just like you were saying, and I'm so glad somebody else out there in the world recognizes this, how does that become just your daily paradigm, your worldview, that we live in a world where this stuff just goes on every day and it's just, well, you know, but. It's
2: mind control. I'm sorry. You know, you everybody thinks I'm the mind control crazy lady, okay? Instead of the crazy cat lady, I'm the crazy mind control lady. But I absolutely believe that now. I've been in this rabbit hole since I was born, practically. And about four or five years old, some extraordinary things started happening to me. And I've lived my life in a completely different way than most people. And thank God I did. I'm just going to give you a quick background on me. I became an artist. I started dancing very young. Um, I started making jewelry. I was a potter. Um, I was truly an artist, artist. You know, I was doing many different uh, medias, and I never really went to school. I did go to school. I'm like very just a couple credits short of a communications degree and a couple other things. But, you know, the point is I never really bought into school the way everybody else did. I dropped out of high school and I was 15 years old and I went to college at night instead. Because I didn't like getting out of bed at you know, eight o'clock in the morning to go to school. So I just, I left my junior year, first in the junior year. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like the way they make me get out of bed at 7.30 and go to school all day. I don't like it. And I went to a counselor and I said, what else could I do? She goes, well, very few people do this, but if you drop out, you can go get your GED at the college nearby at night if you want or during the day or whatever. And I said, no, I want to go work, get a job and, and go to school at night. She goes, sure, whatever. <laughs> you know." So that's what I did. I went off and got a job and I left home at 16 years old. The month I turned 16, I left home and I got a job and I went to school at night and went to college and I stayed in college until I was about 20 years old off and on because you know when you're going at night it's only part time so it takes a while to get where you're going in the meantime i eventually moved to san francisco i was living in portland oregon during all that time and i had a full-time job as a manager of a fred meyers store i bet a lot of people know what fred meyers is and so i was working during the days going to school at night dancing doing all kinds of things doing my pottery and you know what have you and i eventually ended up in san francisco in a dance company And I just kind of stopped going to school at that point. Later on, I went back again and got a communication, not a communications, I'm sorry, uh, IT certification and got into computers very heavily. But of course, it was the boom back then in Silicon Valley. And it was just the thing to do. Everybody was getting something in computers down here in San Francisco. So
1: by the way, talking about Fred Meyer, um, let me interrupt.
2: Yeah, Fred Meyer
1: is owned by Kroger.
2: That's right. Which is, I I guess, the
1: largest supermarket chain outside of like Walmart.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I remember when they were independent though, my grandmother was one of the first people that ever worked with Fred Meyer himself and they were friends of our family. And his wife Eve, when she died, this is a funny story in the family, uh, Fred Meyer courted my grandmother and almost married her, but she decided she didn't want to. And, you know, I'd be sitting here very filthy rich right now. (laughs) Had that happened, but it didn't. So there you go. But yeah, I don't know why I was telling you about my background. I, I completely lost my train of thought. The, the point to all this is, um,
3: let me remind you, it, it's you were leading into how you became convinced that there is some sort of mind control going exact. on, and 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 you know I can see that because you were bucking the whole socialization thing right from the insane. beginning.
2: Exactly. What I did was that I became an independent thinker because of my art and and because of going to school when I wanted to and doing things the way I wanted to do. I never got stuck in the trap of, you know, you've got to get good grades, you got to stay here, you got to do this now, you've got to do prom, you got to do college, you got to do, you know, whatever, the way everybody does it. And I got a real education in life, too, because I was out dancing at dance companies, I was partying at night in New York City. I mean, you know, there's things that you can't learn in school about life in general. You know, I think, sadly, a lot of people just think that's the way it is, and they don't think, they don't understand that you can go create your own path and i've always been that way and thank god i have because look where it's led me i mean i've had five careers in my life i'm now i got 10 years into radio about ufos and and mind control and jfk and everything that i i love being involved with and you know it's just amazing what's happened and i also can recognize and here's the most important reason i told you all of that you know inconsequential (laughs) information was basically this I when I see stuff like that whole fire thing happening with the monopoly and everything I understand what's really going on I look at it for what it really is and I talk to the the lady next door to me she has no clue of what's going on out there she thinks it's all politics she's blaming it all on Trump. I'm like, okay, you can sit here, you can blame pg problems <laughs> all on Trump. Everybody in California is blaming everything on Trump. They don't even think about it. They just go straight to I hate Trump, and that's the reason PG&E shut off the power. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, this is how short our uh, the complexity of critical thinking has. Happen. We've gotten to the point where we go one step out of the box and we can't handle it. We just blame it on Trump. What
1: on happened? the other hand, when Obama was president, we blamed it on him. Part of it is it, we live in two realities. <laughs> We're so yep. polarized that one group has their own reality and their own media, the other group has their reality. And yes, there is a real reality somewhere. That extends more in one direction than the other. But speaking of reality, we have this coming up. Lorian, Jean, and Randall, you're in the Paracast.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
11: USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Louisiana Democrat Governor John Bell Edwards won re-election on Saturday. Edwards narrowly defeated his Republican opponent, Eddie Risponi, despite President Trump traveling to the state twice over the final 11 days to campaign for the GOP candidate. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement is moving forward and may be voted on by the end of this month. Democratic Congressman from Michigan, Dan Kildee, says stuff is getting done in Washington.
4: We spend a lot of time working with our fellow Republicans across the aisle, so that doesn't come through, I know, but it's uh, it's hard to sort of sit back and watch all the focus appeared to be on impeachment when there's a lot of business that this country needs to get at. And um, many of yeah. us are working on that.
11: Kildy speaking there on Fox News. And you're listening to USA Radio News.
12: Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-280-2144. 800-280-2144. 800-280-2144. Call right now. That number again is 800-280-2144. Bags under the eyes,
13: crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now, there's Instantly Ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. Here's Dr. Sonia Bacha on The Doctors.
9: So, this is a product we're going to see if it works. It's called Instantly Ageless. And the idea is that it works very quickly, is you just need a very small amount, and then you apply it to areas where you might be a little bit puffy. I have just looked at what's in this product, and one of them is something called Argyraline, which is sort of a darling. dermatology right now it's a peptide or a protein that actually relaxes the muscle it's also called Botox in a bottle the other active ingredient in this is silicates which are almost act like a clay they're minerals and they're making the skin sort of tighter it's actually increasing the surface tension on the skin to push that herniated fat pad back
13: try instantly ageless today at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com 30-day money-back guarantee and preferred price discount at gcnlife.com
14: hi this is bryce abel i'm the producer of dark skies the co-author of ad after disclosure and you are listening to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal
1: radio so Lorian fenton is talking here about mind control and certainly having the corporate media big companies controlling all the information you get Controlling the entertainment. You know, like Disney company bought 20th Century Fox. They own Marvel. They own, They own, of course, Star Wars. 40% of the entertainment industry is controlled by one company.
2: And, you know, the interesting part about all that is way back in the day when Disney was working with the CIA, Disneyland was one of the creations that was used to control children's aspect about good and evil. I mean, I don't know if you guys got that, but there was a whole study done about how Disneyland was one of the first kind of nod to the CIA with with Walt Disney. You know, how do we control people? And making movies about princesses and the prince and all that, it really helps mold people into believing false realities. You know, fairy tales are not real. They're fairy tales for a reason. And that's what he was selling. And all of us little girls back in the, you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s were like, oh, you know, uh, Barbie and, you know, Sleeping Beauty and Snow White and all that. We're all going to get that prince in the end, you know. Well, that was all a mind control scam. It was to keep the women at home and had everything to do with not allowing women's uh, suffrage. well they were suffragettes in the 1900s but you know what i mean women's lib and all that happening in the 60s it was all part of that it's all training to keep us down and not causing waves. It goes way back. I mean, the whole mind control thing through the CIA, oh my God, I hope everybody's done their research on it because it'll just blow your mind. How many uh, pots that the CIA had their hands in? And here's something else everybody may not know about. The Zodiac Killer and uh, Charles Manson were sharing a cell together in Deerfield Prison back in the late, God, it must have been the late 40s or early, no, it was the early 50s. I'm sorry, it was 53, 54, 55. And there was a CIA mind control program that was brought to that prison and they took 10 cells, two inmates each. There were five cells, two inmates each, 10 prisoners, and they were put through a mind control program. We don't know what happened to the other eight. They probably were turned out to be some famous serial killer somewhere. But what the CIA was doing at that time was creating serial killers to see if they could do it. And this was an offshoot of the Cameron Project that would later happen, I think, in the 70s. Uh, this was kind of the beginnings of it and they were trying to see what kind of murderers they could create to go around the world and assassinate people without any memory of doing it. Well it kind of backfired and they ended up with Charles Manson and the Zodiac killer. And here's the other part to this that just makes me sick to my stomach is the fact that they followed both of those guys around and we believe we're pretty sure that Tex, the guy that was part of the Manson family, was actually Manson's handler from the CIA and worked with them. I mean, how many guys do you know Know enough to go climb up a pole and stay not stoned on acid or anything else and orchestrate a murder on the scene while it happens. He climbs up a telephone pole, cuts off all the electricity, he's doing all these things that an operative might be much, you know, much more aware of than some, you know, stoned out hippie guy. And he orchestrated that whole murder of the LaBiancas and you know Sharon Tate and, and everybody else. And then Manson gets blamed for it all in the end. I don't think that Manson ever really got to the point where he formulated killing those people in particular. He may have been, uh, you know, spouting helter-skelter, let's go kill these people, you know, let's kill the pigs, you know, whoever, the people in control, but I don't think he ever got to the point where he actually got down to saying, we're going to go to this house, here's the house plans, you guys go in there and do this murder. I think it was all tax. This was part of their mind control program. To see, you know, if they could get away with it. If the CIA had accomplished what their mission was, and that was to basically get a group of people together and have them all murder people at their will. Oh, and you know, what about Jonestown? That's another CIA project. And I have inside information on that that I can't talk about, but I, I'm telling you, folks, that actually was a CIA program all about the same thing, seeing how many people they could mind control, get them to do their bidding as a group of killers. And these are what I would call super soldiers, but it, it ranged in ages from 13 to you know, 65 that they were trying to get at that point back at, at that time at Jonestown. Anyhow, I'm just saying, you guys, there's so much deep, dark, horrible things that the CIA and other agencies, not just the CIA, the CIA is just the tip of the spear, that have done to try to get everybody in this country under their thumb, so they do what they're bidding. And it goes all the way from mind control and murder just to buying the pack of cigarettes that they want you to smoke.
1: I want to bring up this then, JFK. Some of the rumors state that he was killed by a combination of the CIA and organized crime. Or this guy who's actually being charged in connection with the, the Trump election, everything, Roger Stone, his statement years ago was that Lyndon Johnson engineered the assassination for obvious reasons.
2: He did. And, and Roger's absolutely correct. But he's just one of the spokes of the wheel. Um, When I, people ask me all the time, who killed JFK? And I say, it's the real question you should be asking is who didn't? Let's see, ONI was in on it, the Office of Naval Intelligence, the UFO community at that time, and I, you know, like MJ-12 or where you want to call these people that ran the UFO scene, and it may have been the Department of Energy at the time. I'm not sure. It's a paperclip group, and I do know that they were involved in it as well. Also, the mob was involved, very much so. They were the the boots-on-the-ground kind of people. And we have uh, LBJ, we've got... um, Nixon was in on it. I'm just not sure to what what extreme and what level. I haven't been able to glean that information yet. I'm still look, plowing through FOIA documents through a friend of mine that's a major JFK researcher, and we're still looking for uh, Nixon's uh, involvement. But um, yeah, everybody was involved. And uh, the FBI, the CIA were involved. Even um, his brother, uh, um Got Robert, Bobby. Yeah, was involved, but not knowingly though. See, the very interesting part to this is I always ask people this question when I'm giving a presentation about JFK's murder. What I ask people are two questions: Who, you know, ask the right question? Who wasn't involved? And then the other question is: How did Lee Harvey Oswald end up back in the United States, coming from Russia as a traitor and a spy? and get to come back here and just plop down in a house in New Orleans and have a life. How does that happen? Nobody ever asked that question. Well, the only way you can come back into the United States like that and just plop down somewhere and have a normal life is if the the Attorney General of the United States lets you back in. That's it. So he was actually working for Robert Kennedy as well. And he was reporting to him, too, through another vicarious source that I can't talk about here on the radio show. Okay, but anyhow-
1: why, why would RFK want to kill his brother? Remember, he was well, also he assassinated. Does, we can get into that later.
2: Yeah, no, he didn't have anything to do with it. I'm just saying, you know, he was aware of the plot he was aware of what was going on he just didn't know that the new orleans connection was going to get that uh, blown up and and uh, that lee was going to end up being the patsy and be kept out of the loop on a bunch of stuff that was going to happen down in dallas so lee you couldn't get to them in time to say look this is going to happen though he did try I know he tried because Judith Ferry Baker, his girlfriend at the time, was on the phone with him two days before the assassination, and he said he was trying to get a message to to Robert and to James Angle, Angleton, but now we find out that... Uh, angleton was involved in it as well so you know it just it's <laughs> like i said it's not who shot him it's who didn't shoot him and who was involved so uh, apparently his message never made it to robert's desk so sadly because he led him back into the united states because he was a major operator for the fbi the cia office of naval intelligence and everybody else you know it, it it ended up having his brother die not because Oswald shot him but because Oswald couldn't get to him in time to say this is what's going you
1: know so what, to happen let's do our break here right now with Lorian, Gene and Randall you're in the Paracast
9: thank you for listening to GCN visit GCNlive.com today
7: This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637.
17: Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92
13: This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: Now, Lorian Fenton, obviously we can see a motive for Johnson to want to kill Kennedy. The obvious motive, the fact that it happened in Dallas. But why would the others want to kill him?
2: Oh, they all had their reasons. I mean, there he looked at it. Okay, first of all, the Warren Committee, uh, the, the brothers Warren, John had um, completely fired them what was a couple months before he got, was murdered, and they were after him. They couldn't stand him. He was trying to change everything that they were doing, and he was going to shatter the CIA into a million pieces. He was also going to work with uh, Khrushchev to go to the moon together. And he also was going to work with the Russians on the whole UFO issue that was going on at the time, because they knew about it. You know, I don't know if the Eisenhower landing is absolutely true or not. I've still, I've had so many different people tell me so many different things, and I want some solid proof. You know, I'm still looking through FOIA documents for that, too. You know, I don't look through the FOIA documents myself, folks. I have a lot of other people doing that, that, you know, we talk together and we try to figure out if we can find things that maybe John Green walled mist or maybe we have a different avenue to go into to look or you know maybe there's someplace else <laughs> in that that big building that houses it all that we haven't looked yet but anyhow yeah where was I going with this I'm trying to remember
1: <laughs> you well you know what questions. before we go on this obviously leads to another conspiracy which is 9-11
2: Oh god 911. You asked me was who, you know, why did all these other people want to do it? Well, they all had their reasons. Trust me. And and there's plenty of books out there about it. I'm I'm turning to my right right now and I am looking at probably 50 books on JFK assassination. And there are two books uh, there are two spiral-bound paper loose-leaf books I've got, and they are not real books yet because they are written by gentlemen that have been doing JFK assassination research their entire life. One of them was 16 years old or 17 when he went down to the Clay Shaw trial, and he will not release his book until his death because he knows things in that book that nobody else knows, and, and I've had privilege enough to be able to see the information. So I'm just telling you folks that there isn't any one group that shot him, they all had their reasons, and they're very varied and very disturbing reasons why they shot him. And the UFO thing was part of it as well. So anyhow, just we'll let, let that rest. Now, the next question you asked me was?
1: 9-11.
2: 9/11. Oh, okay. nine eleven. I am absolutely convinced, was the thermite. It was uh, burning for so long afterwards. And I don't know, what is you guys' opinion on this? I mean, have you... Done shows on it? I'm sure you have a million
1: shows well, on it? Not a lot, not a lot. And part of it is our original co host, I think a friend of his, died in 9 11 and he was very sensitive about it. What I yeah. see here is that if nothing else, it was possibly allowed to happen. They knew something was going to happen and they didn't connect the dots, coordinate all the information. And therefore, it was allowed to happen by maybe incompetence. On the other hand, maybe it was something else. You can tell me that.
2: Yeah, well, here's what happened. Okay, the day it happened for me, my cousin is an airline stewardess, or she was. She just retired. She was number like three or four at Continental that means she was like the fourth you know person left in the company as a stewardess so that's how long she had been there she knew every pilot in the company she knew everything about this she calls me the day after it's happened and she goes i can't believe it she goes i've been shaking since this this whole thing happened she goes i've been on the phone for the last 18 hours talking to all my pilot friends and to a t every one of them says there is no way a plane would go through the building like that, at that speed. And they said it's so uncanny to think that it was going that slow and it didn't just crumble into a ball and fall down to the ground. They said because it was going too slow. It wasn't going fast enough to penetrate steel like that. And a plane is made out of a very, it's not a thick metal. I don't know what people are thinking, but it's, it's like a tin can, seriously. You know, maybe the thickness of a very thick tin can. When that kind of thing hits, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't cut it like butter like we saw. So there was a big problem with that. And they were all very upset about it. And here's the next thing that happened to them. They all go to work after they're able to fly again. Every company throughout the United States, it was United Airlines, it was Continental, it was Southwest, it was every freaking airline out there. All of them were told, you cannot talk about this to the passengers, you can't talk about this to anybody, you can't tell them what your opinion is, you can't do any of this, or you will be fired. It's that simple. That's what they told everybody so she was freaking out for a very long time and so were all the pilots because they know darn well that couldn't have happened the way it happened okay and they also said as pilots when planes blow up like that and the fuel burns it doesn't necessarily when you've hit something it doesn't blow up like a bomb. What they told me was this. The plane, let's say it did go through the building and there was a big crash and all this and then fuel would go out and it would start seeping all around and then a spark would hit it and it would start a fire. It would not explode like that unless it was under high pressure of some sort. Yeah, they say when a plane hits the ground or hits a wall, let's say a plane just actually flew into a wall, it would crumple, the, the fuel would start going Going out over all over the ground, and then you'd have a big fire, just like we saw when that plane um, didn't make the runway in San Francisco. Do you guys remember that a few years ago? And remember that specific one? Yeah, and there was a woman that was she made it out of the plane alive, but she got covered. She was she passed out, got covered with the foam, and then a truck drove over her and killed her. Oh my God, it was just horrible. Anyhow, (laughs) I'm just saying planes don't blow up like a bomb okay and that's what we saw with both planes and they were just very flummoxed about that too so I, that i've never forgotten everything they've ever told me okay moving on 6 months later i'm talking to an architect and he said to me you know i just i don't understand this he said, i've gone over the plans i've done all this stuff and it wasn't richard gage it was just some guy I knew out here in san francisco he goes i do not understand how that that collapsed in its own footprint he goes it doesn't make any sense he goes if the plane is burning up there on the you know 126th floor and you got 75 floors above it what should have happened is it should have collapsed at one side one angle whatever the top part of that and slid off you know, in big chunks and fell to the ground and crunched a whole bunch of stuff around it. He goes, it doesn't make any sense to me how the top that wasn't affected at all fell into its own footprint. <laughs> he goes, I just, I." he goes, I cannot make sense of this. And he's never been able to make sense of it. So think about that, you guys, why is the top part of the building falling into its own footprint when this fire and everything below it is you know, 75 or, you know, 150 feet or 200 feet below.
1: Things like this were predicted in a couple of movies in the 1990s. One was the long kiss goodnight featuring Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. And in that, the villains were CIA agents who wanted to stage this terrorist act to get higher budgets, larger budgets, basically. There was a movie called The Siege about attacks, terrorist attacks in New York City with Denzel Washington, Annette Benning, And in that particular one, we have the villain. The main villain was somebody who the CIA had as an asset and they double-crossed him, kind of like we may have done with Bin Laden. And therefore, he came back after us. So the things the CIA did maybe in the 80s came back to haunt them through the 90s and early 2000s.
2: Well, yeah, that well, that's true, because we did have the bombing of the, the World Trade Center um, with the, the blind sheik or sheik or whatever they called him um, back in, what was that, four or five years before the 2001? Right. Um, now,
3: that's, yeah. where, that's where the whole thing really begins.
2: exactly
3: now i think in 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 my opinion looking at it of course there's all sorts of counterpoint to everything that that you've said so far right and then there's counterpoint to that counterpoint and it's very very complex the best that i can figure from looking at what i can find and admittedly that's just all the information that's on the internet which actually is quite a lot uh there were real aircraft involved. There are definitely people missing passenger manifests. Those flights were totally part of the systems from the airline companies. I, I don't think there was any fake airlines involved or fake
1: planes. You know, what isn't fake is this announcement, this block of announcements coming up. <sighs> we're talking about the 9 11 conspiracy with Lori and Sheen and Randall, you're in. The Paracast.
14: The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The Hebo Tea Club's original Pure Pau de Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818 984 6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com or call 818 984 6100. ShopSuperTea.com. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
1: So Lorian Fenton knows her stuff about conspiracy theories. We haven't done a good conspiracy theory show for a long, long time. (laughs) And I'm glad that, that you're the one we've picked here. Randall, you well, had some it, more stuff to say about nine eleven.
2: Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, Randall, please tell me your opinion about how that building kind of fell because I'm still, I, and I've got a couple more points that. To go further with this, but go ahead and tell me what you think. You just said that the planes were real, and yeah, that type of thing. So go so ahead.
3: Real, real casualties. Probably it was. I, most likely. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there driving the plane, but I'd say you know ninety nine point seven percent. Yeah, it was. They were hijacked planes. But when you got to the point about the building collapsing, that's where I tend to think that there really is something out of the ordinary going on. When you mentioned that there was the original attacks where they drove the vans full of explosives into the basement. Now, when that happened and they did the investigation of that, they learned that the plan of those attackers was not to bring the building straight down, but to actually cause it to topple over. That's on That's right. Right. And so my kind of pet theory on this is that after that happened, they knew these buildings were a target. And they went in and actually planted uh, charges in all the strategic places on the building as a preemptive fail safe event in the event that something like that would happen in the future. And if they needed to, they could bring the building down. Now, of course, they would have to keep that secret so that nobody would know they would have several years to do this so they could do it all in secret without people knowing but it wasn't part of a nefarious plan it was part of a plan to to actually save people and save lives and finally when it seemed like there was going to be no other choice but to have that building go over like that they put that plan into action and to to this day they want to keep it secret because they don't want anybody to try and get around those fail-safes that are in some of these buildings and i wouldn't be surprised if other high buildings in the world have similar fail-safes
2: i'm so glad you brought this up because my next point was going to be this i my father was in insurance for many many years and i was talking to one of his old cronies um after 9-11 And he told me something very interesting. He goes, nobody knows about this. In the United States, any building over so many feet, so many stories, they have explosive charges already set up in all of them for insurance for just this reason.
3: Oh, my gosh. You're confirming my theory.
2: (laughs) Yes, I'm confirming your theory because I was like I was dumbfounded when I heard this because my theory about the top part falling over, and I'd also read somewhere that you probably read too. I thought it was in a science journal or somewhere, science mechanics or you know something like that about their theory when they blew it up from the basement was to knock it over sideways. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So I thought, God, you know that makes total sense. They probably had it all rigged and ready to go and they can't tell people as part of an insurance policy that you have to have this at a certain height. But it's not common knowledge. And, and the reason they don't tell people is because would you want to work in an office building where you knew there were charges all over the main area that could go off? The whole thing could
3: come down at any, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so they, I, you know, I'd really like to see that somewhere, you know, in, in some documentation. I'd love to see.
2: And I tried to get him to tell me where I could find documentation on it. He said he didn't know, but he knew it was real. Because when he was retiring, that's one of the things that would came across his desk. So I was like, oh my God. So, you know, I think it's real. I think it makes total sense that they'd have that in place for all major towers and skyscrapers and anything like that, because, you know, you've got to have a fail safe. Our world is not how it used to be. And you've got things like terrorism going on. You've got to be able to pull buildings down without hurting everything around it. It makes total sense to me. And I am going to go out on a limb on this one. I still am kind of over in the UFO community when I talk about this, because. I had a friend who worked at NASA many, many years ago near Moffett Field in the South Bay of San Francisco, and he was driving home one day. And he was looking out at Moffat Field. I think he was driving out of the, the NASA area, and they were just driving by Moffat Field because they are very close to each other. And he wasn't actually behind the wheel. Somebody else was. But the point to this is he's looking out the window. He's looking at an airstrip over at Moffat Field. And a plane is taking off. And it's a regular passenger-sized, army-issued type of plane. And it's taking off, and it gets up to, he said, about maybe 800 feet, 1,000 feet off the edge, just right at the edge of the runway, and it disappeared. And he was like, oh, my God. He goes, I can't even believe what I just saw. So he gets back to NASA in the next week or two, and he's trying to ask everybody that works at a Moffat Field, what the heck is going on? Now, he's a major scientist. He has a, a clearance, and he can find out. And he found out they were working on holographic technology. At the time, and this was in the 82 or 83, I can't remember the year. They could make a whole plane. He says, I don't know what that test was all about. I don't know if it was a holographic imaging onto the plane to make it look like it disappeared, or if it was actually a holographic plane that they wanted you to think it was taking off.
3: This is off? really interesting because our former co host, Christopher O'Brien,
19: yes,
20: saw I
3: something. Know Right. Excellent investigator, author, uh, you know, great disrespect for Chris. Uh, We miss him here greatly, and we hope that sometime he'll come back on the show to do some follow-up and guest appearances. But he told us about a very similar incident where he saw, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was a transport plane. Yeah. And... It took off. He was flying in the sky and he turns around and he looks at the thing and it too, it, it just
2: disappeared,
3: seemed to vanish. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so my but- question to everybody around nine eleven, not to cut you off there, Randall, but my question is, do we really know it was planes that hit it? I mean, I'm, I'm leaning towards, yeah, but you know, that leaves a little spark in the imagination of like, maybe it was a drone and they put a holographic imaging over it. I mean, we don't know.
3: Oh, okay. So, I mean, that's a reasonable theory, because it's possible. But at the same time, then, I I just find it unlikely because the whole thing could be constructed. Maybe there were no passengers, and all those passengers were made up. Maybe all the grieving relatives of of those passengers were made up, too. Maybe the whole inquiry was filled with people who were completely... Just hired by some nefarious agency to to play an acting role, and when you start to get into that level of conspiracy, I just don't buy it anymore. I think these were
11: real. Well, planes, it gets yeah, it gets know. real
2: hard at that point to start covering up when you got that many people involved. That's so, why CA loves working with two people, and that's it. <laughs>
11: Yeah,
3: the fewer, the better. But, you know, getting into this holographic technology thing, we're going to be talking a little bit further down the in, in the show about disclosure and the whole TTSA and this Tic Tac thing, because we'll come back to that then. But I think that's a really good point. I'm not sure where 9 911 fit into what we were talking about before that. We were talking a bit about mind control, socialization. And at first I thought, you know, I don't know. This is getting out there on the fringe. But then you started talking about actual government experiments like we know oh MK ultra God, yeah. existed. And then you were talking about, well, we have media and we know that media hires psychologists and that psychology has done science and just. A simple color on a screen is enough to cause people's moods to change, let alone mixed with a whole bunch of other moving pictures and other suggestive features. Uh, The advertising industry is filled with it. It, That's right. So you're not coming from as a woo-woo place as maybe we might have first thought.
2: You know, I am woo-woo. Half of me, I always tell people I'm I'm truly the lady on the fence because half of me loves the woo-woo. I'm a psychic. One of my great stories that I tell people is about when I was uh, five or five or six years old, and I'm watching the wolf man on old black and white TV set with my two little sisters. And the wolf man is running, it's Elon Cheney and it's black and white, and he's running through the uh, the graveyard of his ancestral family, and he and he's running through, and they show one of the headstones and it says something Talbot on it. I just knew I was going to marry a Talbot. So I am turned to my little sister, who's like three years old or four years old, and I said, I'm going to marry the wolf, man. I'm going to marry the wolf, man. <laughs>
1: we got more to come with Laurie and Jean and Randall. You're in The The Paracast. <laughs>
0: That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
5: We can all agree these are troubled times, right? So do you know who's on your wireless network? Whether it's a big company selling your data or a foreign hacker, if you're not protected, everybody sees your information. That's why you need Flash Routers, a custom Wi Fi router created for privacy. Flash Routers uses a virtual private network or VPN to protect your online activity from hackers, trackers, and large corporations. And not just one, but all your devices with one out of the box setup. Plus, Flash Routers also enhances your wireless network performance and unlocks powerful router management tools to let you take total control of your network call or click flash routers today at 1-866-509-5817 or flashrouters.com that's 1-866-509-5817 or FlashRouters.com. protect your wireless home network today with flash routers
20: With more people listening to radio than visit Google, Facebook, or YouTube, from the very young to the very old, everyone listens to radio. Pillow companies, alarm, identity theft, nutrition, insurance, banking, automotive. The list goes on and on. Billion-dollar businesses. Why? The answer is radio, the media everyone tunes into. Find out how effective and affordable radio can be for your business. Contact 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com.
6: Space, retail space, or more. Call General Steel today. You can still get the General's 50 year structural warranty and General Steel quality, all at a price you can afford. So don't let rising steel
12: prices put your project out of reach and stop you from making your company great. 800 965 1295. 800 965 1295. That's 800 965 1295.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: We're back with Lorian, Jean, and Randall. Now, you were mentioning this film you like, one of the early Universal horror films, one of the best with. Lon Chaney Jr. and that was the Wolf Man. We're not talking about the more recent version, the remake, which I thought was very lousy. The original one, of course, was Lon Chaney Jr. and Claude Rains and Bela Lugosi and people like that.
2: Oh yes! Oh, oh yeah! yeah now, just love those old films.
1: That was probably, I think, the best werewolf movie because Lon Chaney Jr. was really a good actor, and he always played best a tortured person, and Larry Talbot with the curse of the werewolf was tortured.
2: So true. Well, anyhow, so I did say to my sister, I'm going to marry the wolf man. And I was just telling you guys about being on the fence about part of me is so woo woo. It's scary. But the other part of me, I've got five planets in Virgo. And if I don't have like those FOIA documents and, and scientific proof and analysis, I'm like, I can't deal with it. Right. I'm really a, a split personality when it comes to all of this. I think that's one of the reasons I I, I can look at things with an open mind in, in many directions directions. And I think it's really helped me a lot in my research. Anyhow, back to uh, what we were talking about, 9-11, the holographic imagery, you know, I accept that too. I I kind of accept it all because we don't have the answers. And the biggest problem we've got is we may never get all the answers. I've just got to sit here and say, maybe it's all of it, maybe it's none of it, and will we ever know? What do you guys think?
3: Where I'm going with this and sort of trying to clarify is what exactly you meant by mind control. And so that's why when we started talking about, well, yes, okay, there were real mind control experiments using drugs with agencies within the government and that went on and there's advertising marketing and all. And so you're talking about all of these actual real world examples and not just, well, they're out to get us and we all need to wear tinfoil hats. There's definitely some, There's definitely something going on there. At one point, the Russians had these transmitters up in the north and they were beaming these low frequency waves over the poles and on into Canada and down into the States. And I don't know if you've heard of Schumann Resonance. Oh, you bet. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, even that level of mind control or behavior modification using EMF frequencies has been something that governments have studied.
2: Oh yeah, you bet. Just a quick factoid for everybody. CIA was a seed funder for Google. So you guys think about that for a minute. Oh, I got another great quick story for you. Back in the early 90s, I was married to my first husband and he was a computer programmer. And we were at a party for Facebook.
3: That's what you were really getting at there. I think you meant to say Facebook because I know the C- seed.
2: <laughs> no, no, defin- it's Google. They they were seed funders for Google, but they were oh, also okay. because I-,
3: I know Facebook has definitely got.
2: They got C- funds- agency backing. Yeah, yeah, they both-
3: yeah. They so, basically say we don't need to do much more surveillance anymore. We just go to
2: Facebook. Exactly. Well, let me tell you this great story. You guys are going to love this. So it's like I can't remember what year it was because I'm old now. <laughs> you know, just it was back then. But we're at the Facebook party right after they had just left their first building down in Sa- down downtown San Francisco and went to their first campus down in God was it Menlo Park or San Mateo, whatever. We're at the party. It's their big opening party, um, and um, we're we're uh, talking to all these guys at the party. And it looks like we're having a little bit of technical difficulty here, but I'm going to keep going with my story. Um, can you guys still hear me?
1: I can still hear you. Yes.
2: Okay, great. Just want to be sure. Uh, so, anyhow, we're at the party, and we're talking to a friend of mine who's a woman programmer and. In- these two other guys, and we sat down on this little couch area, and we're talking away. And I say, "How's it going, you guys? Do you like it here? Is it really nice? I mean, it looks huge. You got tons of computers. It looks great. Where's the server room?" And we're babbling away. And one of the girl, the girl looks at me and says, um, "I can't remember her name right now for the live major, She looks at me and says. I don't know what's going on. She goes, you know, there's this big building over at the end of the campus and they told us it was our server room, but there's a whole end of it that I don't think there's any servers in because I've been in there and I can't, it, it's not as long as the building. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah, it's just weird. And she goes, and the weirdest part, Lorian? And I go, what's that? She goes, there's these strange people that have never been at Facebook before that are our new security people. And they wear in suits and they don't look like a bunch of programmers. Because, <laughs> goes, goes, I don't know what kind of security company hired these guys. They're just weird. They won't talk to us either. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. And so, So, you know, my husband's talking to the other two guys and one of the guys clips in and says, yeah, if I didn't know better, I'd say they were an agency. And so years later, we come to find out that They had had, and this was before it all hit the news and then before he went to the Senate hearings and Zuckerberg and all this stuff. This was probably about 2014. We finally hear through the grapevine here in the Bay Area that, yes, Facebook and Google both have completely dedicated areas and parts of buildings set up for the CIA, the NSA, FBI, whoever wants to, goes in there and works all day long surveilling people. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I asked a friend of mine, I said, how long do you think it's been going on? She goes, since we we moved it into the first campus. And then it jogged my memory about that story. And I was like, oh, my God, this has been going on since day one, practically.
3: No, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. I mean, look at all the stuff Snowden has to say, right?
2: I know, I know. know. And then Snowden. Happened and I was like, "Oh my God!" I, I was right all along, (laughs) and I was Mm -hmm. like, I kept telling people, "Don't put anything on Facebook because I think everybody's watching us on it." Everybody's like, "Ah, you're nuts!" You know, you're you're being a conspiracy theorist. Like, oh no, I don't think I am.
1: You know, something here (laughs) is interesting, guys, and that is we like to think, or they pretend that Facebook is the enemy, and they're invading our privacy. But if they're part of the problem, that would be a good cover.
2: That's right. Absolutely. Oh gee, well, I'm know, getting into the conspiracy
1: thing here. But let's go back just quickly <laughs> to nine eleven and the motive. Obviously the motive could be there was this story about Rumsfeld and a missing couple of trillion dollars or something. Really, really That's weird. right yeah i mean was it part of a huge heist
3: that was planned i mean there was allegedly a whole bunch of uh, bullion stored in the lower levels too that went missing uh, during this whole, during the whole thing i mean
2: I- you got to remember they had just purchased was it julie i can't remember who the company was that purchased the twin towers uh before uh right before they uh, this whole thing happened and um God, I can't remember his name, the owner of the buildings. But anyhow, point to all this is he was told that just removing the asbestos alone was going to cost billions of dollars. And so he took out a huge insurance policy. So when they went down, he just got paid billions of dollars. (laughs) So Uh, there's that too.
1: But it's certainly morbid, to put it mildly, to bet that something bad is going to happen to a building, to a person and then earn money as a result of placing that bet you know what we got a break now more to come with gene randall and we were flies on the wall here you're in the paracast
9: thank you for listening to gcn Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
11: USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Five people are dead and an 11-year-old is in critical condition after a shooting inside a San Diego home. Police say the dead include a man, woman, and three children under the age of 10. The sixth victim is currently in surgery. No arrests have been made, but police say there is no further threat to the public, nor are there any outstanding suspects. After a week of impeachment hearings, it will continue next week, and Republican Senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, says enough is enough. We need to get back to doing the people's business.
12: You know, we're kind of stuck, I think. Impeachment has sucked all the energy out of this place, and that's that's too bad. But yeah, I, I can't tell you the latest. Yeah, I'm dying to do something about that this and a bunch of other things.
11: At the prompting of Republicans, the Democratic-led House Intelligence Committee has released more transcripts of the impeachment inquiry. And you're listening to USA Radio News.
15: Hey guys, it's Sue Cosner, your favorite sexual health expert, with another version of Ask the Pro. This month, I got a letter from Sandy in Seattle about an explosive bedroom secret she and her husband recently discovered. She writes, Dear Sue, my husband and I used to have a great life in the bedroom, but in the last few years, he has struggled. He's tried about everything, but nothing has worked. Then one day he came home and gave me a night I will never forget. He told me about this secret formula, Noxitril, that changed our life in the bedroom once and for all. Wow, Sandy, you beat me to it. I recommend noxatril to every guy that struggles in the bedroom. It's the only one. Noxatril is all natural and works to increase blood flow fast. It's like that little blue pill on steroids. Noxitril has a special free bottle offer, shipped discreetly to your door.
6: To find out how to get your bottle of Noxatril, call 800-421-0954, 800-421-0954. Get your free bottle for a limited time. Call now, 800-421-0954, 800-421-0954. This is Jerome Clark, author of UFO Encyclopedia and other
12: books.
18: You're listening to the Paracast.
1: All right, so we were talking briefly here in the previous segment towards the end, and we're covering so many conspiracies you can hardly keep track about the motives for 9-11. And we thought, of course, about the military industrial complex and the desire to attack Iraq or anyone, spend all those trillions of dollars. But then, do you recall, guys, the statement from Rumsfeld, Defense Secretary, a day or two before 9-11, about trillions of dollars that have been misplaced or unaccounted for
3: i do yeah within the whole uh accounting system of the government and that still hasn't been figured out so you know then but then what are we supposed to think just a red herring to get people off the trail of where did the money go i mean then there's still people trying to figure that out but now we're back to what lorian started back with at the beginning of the show how come nobody cares like yeah okay I'm almost willing okay now I'm gonna go way out there because this is just fun to do people know that I'm a critical thinker and everything else and that I like my facts and and statistics and uh, evidence as much as anyone but I also like having fun with it and uh, I don't use a cell phone myself right. but so many people do and it, What do you see people doing all the time, but going through those screens and scrolling back and forth to see what's going on in that little world down there while we're swimming in this EM soup and the whole Schumann resonance thing is totally screwed up? How do we know that if the agencies like the CIA or the NSA or whatever it happens to be are actually spying on us, that they're not actually also manipulating these EM fields in some way to sort of make us... Complacent. Absolutely. You know? I mean, that's getting out there. How do we know?
2: Yeah we don't know that's the problem and after what i've been through with the whole facebook and the google and and you know everything that i've been through in my life i'm 62 years old so i've been around the block a little bit and i saw all the facebook thing happen i saw the technology develop and i swear to god you guys i really in my truest heart of heart sadly have to say i think all of it is a social media experiment to see how far they can push us to do their bidding Whoever they is, or yeah, you know, they, whatever they. it's <laughs> it, it even as even as simple as you know, as you guys know, when you're on the internet and, and you're shopping, within 30 seconds you go to another website and the ad pops up on the right for where you just were. I mean, exactly even as what you're looking simple for, as sure. that, yeah, even as simple as that is a form of manipulation or mind control or whatever to get you to buy that product. And if it's just that simple, if it's just that evil enough to say all these corporations have got to make money, we got to mind control these people into or manipulate them into purchasing that product. If it's just that simple, it's still bad.
3: Or is it? I mean, sometimes those ads have—I've kind of found them
1: useful. So.
2: Uh, well, I was going to say I just a <laughs> I mean, pick of shoes because those ads the other
3: well, day—they they got me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. Of course, guys, we need to have advertising not just to pay the bills on radio and TV shows, but to tell people about new products and services. So there's a valuable reason to advertise. And certainly a company wants to get the word out. But when they could use subliminal advertising, we heard about that, what, 40, 50 years ago?
2: That's right. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch the TV show Mad Men?
3: I've seen a f- couple of episodes and I should probably watch more of it because it's supposed to be really good.
2: It is very good. It's a good period piece if you want to watch something. But they were talking about uh, subliminal advertising at the latter parts of that show. And, you know, you can see its beginnings and you can see where the CIA, the FBI, and, you know, all the NSA especially would love to be able to control people to the point where they're doing what they're supposed to do. And I'm going to give you guys another example. We're supposed to here in California, run down and get this new driver's license. And I keep asking them why I have to have a new driver's license. And I keep calling and saying, What are you going to do during the appointment? How's it going to play out? What's the reason for this? And it all turns out they're just trying to get a new version of your face for their facial recognition software. But it took me like eight phone calls to get someone to admit that to me on the phone. And they did admit it to me in that way. They admitted that they needed new phone. Photos of us, and I said, "Why?" And they said, "Well, I don't know, but they need a new style of digital photograph." And I said to the person, "Oh, so what you're trying to tell me is you need to be able to recognize me in digital face <laughs> recognition software uh-huh. with a certain type of picture that isn't available with the old pictures on all of our IDs here in California because your cameras weren't whatever they need to be." And I said, very similar to the real ID that I got for uh, getting on the plane for through TSA.
1: And That's the key right there. That's one of the reasons they cite. It's going to be available here in Arizona too. I got an email about it countrywide and it's all about, you've got to get this kind of photo ID, driver's license, whatever, passport to get on an airplane. If you don't have it, you're an American and you don't have it, you don't get on the plane. I guess you can't do that with kids, of course.
2: Yeah, I don't know, but I'm just telling you, it's it's this. And but it took, you know, literally seven or eight phone calls for someone to admit this to me. So again, they're manipulating us into getting all new stuff because this is the new way that they they don't really look at the ID; they could care less about it. They want to scan it and make sure that it passes the facial recognition software at the little podium there when you're getting on the plane.
1: I've got the story here, by the way, from the Mercury News. In the past few months, this goes back to 2017, straggling states have been in a mad dash to comply with the requirements of a 2005 federal act in hopes of avoiding a domestic air travel nightmare for the residents. The Real ID Act calls for states to abide by federal standards to issue identification documents such as driver's licenses and ID cards. It's all about that.
2: It's all about transportation now and where you're going to go and and if they're going to allow you to go. And oh, God, you guys, it's just, uh, well, it's, okay, in, but it's let's, invasive.
3: Well, all right. But all right. Now, oh, this is where but it you think tough. it's
2: okay, right? Well,
3: well, hang on. I'm not sure I necessarily like it, but there is a flip side to it where I was born here in Calgary, Canada. I've often. Just throughout my whole life, felt that the United States is just like uh, they're they're all brothers and sisters. We're all part of the same happy family. I don't consider us really even. Nec- I know we're two different nations, but I think of us. I think of North America more than I think of U.S. and Canada. Whenever we I I I start agree. to think about the people,
1: people no. think of Canada as a suburb of America, which is ridiculous because I think they have a much better healthcare system than we do.
2: Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, it, All my it, relatives are from Calgary. Just want to let you know. And oh, Fernie. Cool. Fernie. I love little Fernie. Go ahead. And <laughs> and,
3: and the thing is, yes, I, I know this sounds sort of idealistic, but I really do think that our part of the world here in North America is organized and put together by people who are mostly good. And that What these people are trying to do is bring in a form of standardization that will help them to find the bad guys. I don't think the people who are trying to bring this in have a nefarious plan to enslave us all. I I think they're really trying to do a public service in their own way. I I don't think that, that necessarily that that doesn't mean there isn't room for problems or for people to misuse it, because it seems like whenever power is involved, there is somebody that's going to misuse the power. And and that's the danger. So we need to have appropriate uh, regulations and watchdogs in on it so that we know that it's not being misused. And I think that's what Snowden was trying to say. And he makes some really good points there. So it. It's more complex than just, you know, the the evil government is out to get us all. Because I really don't think that. I think there are probably some really good people who
1: actually have some really good
3: reasons for trying
1: to do it. Now, I read a report. I read a report that Snowden had looked for evidence of UFOs, alien files, things like that, and was unable to find any. Of course, they were probably not on the servers he broke into. We're going to break into this for a moment. (laughs) That's a. Terrible segue. Gene Randall. Laurian, you're in The Paracast.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNLive.com today.
1: Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
17: Take Jake's advice. Give federal
18: tax management a phone call. If they help
17: me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625.
20: We all hear the stories in the news. The good guy uses a gun to protect his family from criminals, and he's the one arrested. The legal system is not fair, and responsibly armed Americans are political targets. So here's how you can take a simple and rewarding journey to complete self-defense confidence. Simply text GCN to 87222. To discover how the USCCA can give you the training, education, legal, and financial protection you need to truly protect the people you love. Don't risk everything and leave your family vulnerable. Now it's time to prepare and protect yourself. So if you're ready to take your next step... As a responsibly armed American, you're ready to truly become your family's ultimate protector. Text GCN to 87222. Discover your life-saving USCCA member benefits today. Again, that's text GCN to two twenty-two.
15: This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast.
20: You
1: see, folks, Randall and I are having a great time here being flies on the wall, listening to Lorian. Let's continue. (laughs) Randall?
3: Well, Lorian, yeah. And, you know, it happens that you're now uh, the third radio talk show female guest that we've had on the show and oh, good for you yeah because you know the old white boys club here i think needs to be shaken up <laughs> a little bit and uh it, we, we've had katina kyle on from mysterious radio kelly, oh yeah yeah and she was fabulous so positive really professional uh you know can't say enough good stuff about katina kelly farmer from explaining esoterica
2: that's right
3: yes and and, and now you're Third in line, and uh, I really like what's coming out of these shows. Uh, Our last show we had with Martin Willis of Podcast UFO, and he's also another uh, talk show host. And I posed this question to him. And by the way, that was a really good show, too. Anyone out there is listening? Go check out these other people's shows too. We're all trying to be friendly here, and we're not all trying to to uh, you know establish our own little piece of territory. Only we're all we're all in this together. But I asked him. I said, you know, it seems like guests are getting harder to find because they're all creating their own podcasts.
2: Well, you know, that's interesting. You bring that up. I never, I, I was never a speaker in this genre of any of the genres I'm in. By the way. I've always been a conference producer and manager of other people. I took on three or four managers when I first got in. I mean, I was a manager to three people when I first got into this, what I call this business, whatever this is, because it certainly doesn't, you know, it, it's not... <laughs> <laughs> it's Some like people the Wild money, West but... out here. It's like the Wild West. I have no idea what we're actually doing because we certainly aren't a corporation and nobody runs it like a business. I can tell you that. It's pretty crazy. So anyhow, I started managing a few people. And to this day, I regret every moment I did that. But <laughs> that's another story for another day. But um, I was very good at what I did before I'd gotten into this. And in the late 90s, I was managing speakers and authors through a speakers bureau. And And uh, I was also writing uh, workbooks for a woman who was a trainer for Lawrence Livermore and all of the labs, Los Alamos and Berkeley Labs and all that. And I would write technical manuals and workbooks for trainings and I would go out to the different labs and stuff. And that that's another whole lifetime I, I lived through. But anyhow, point to this is I got very sick, almost died, I woke up out of this whole thing. I lost all my clients, I lost everything and I actually was at a point where I was almost gonna be homeless. And the church started Started paying my rent for a couple months while I got back on my feet because I was very sick. It took three months for me to get out of bed and sit in front of a computer.
3: Uh, right, yeah. Now I heard that uh, you'd go into some detail on that on one of your oh shows. My God, so Yeah. If our listeners are out there, uh, go and check out uh, some of uh, Lorian's files on the Fenton Files is the name of your show, and to find out more details on that. But uh, by all <laughs> means, carry on. Thank
2: you. Well, anyhow, so I stopped managing these people, but in the process let's see where was i going with all this i don't know
3: why well, we were we were talking about how it seems like everybody
2: oh you know, yes it has so,
3: become a, a exactly a, yeah yeah right. yeah
2: thank you thank you for refreshing your memory anyhow so i manage all these people and i get on i, I start calling all of the at that time this was back back in 2010 There were not that many podcasts and not that many networks out there. I could put, you know, there were probably 10 tops. Right, yeah, exactly. And I can name them all off at the time. I mean, it was pretty easy. So I start trying to find phone numbers to get these people I'm managing their own podcast, right? So I'm calling all these networks. One night at midnight, I thought, oh, I'll try this one network and uh, I'll leave a message in their office on their phone. And then the next day, they'll get back to me, right? You know, that kind of thing. So I'm calling. I'm calling. I finally uh, get an answer, and there's this guy saying, hi, uh, you're on Revolution Radio, and I'm Nighthawk. What do you want to talk about tonight? And I realized I was live on air, so I hung up. (laughs) And then I, I sat there for about a minute, thought, oh, I'll call him tomorrow. I must have the wrong number. I've got the station number, right? So I'm sitting there. The phone rings back. And I pick it up, and the guy goes, don't hang up on me. This is Nighthawk at Revolution Radio, and I want to talk to you. Why did you hang up on us? I said, well, uh, I was calling to do business and he goes well i do business live on air so tell me what you want <laughs> I'm like okay so i gave him a whole pitch on one of my clients and little known to me at the time there's nine other people in this chat room they they do it at midnight it's called the night's round table or something where all these people can get in on and they can all just chat away and what have you live on air so I'm just doing all this and behind the scenes in the chat room, they're saying, we like this lady. We want her to be on our network. (laughs) Um, So tell her that she has to be on the network. So I start negotiating live on air to get my client on the show. And I already looked at all their empty slots. So I knew what they had. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, Um, I want two slots i want him at prime time i want him you know he needs a producer you know i'm doing all this stuff and he goes and he's and i'm thinking oh i got it he's gonna go for it you know everything's great and he's he slung back at me we're only gonna give him the two nights if you pick up that third night that's empty on prime time and i'm like ah i said you don't want me on air he goes yeah i do and i go no you don't (laughs) And I argued with them. And finally, I gave in and said, I'd do it. So I got my client is two nights. It was a Wednesday and Friday, and I was picking up the Monday. And I got my to my first show. And I thought, well, I'll do so badly. He'll call me afterwards and tell me I can't ever have a show. You know, I made a mistake. I don't want you. Right. So I do the first show. And he calls me afterwards and says, you were great. And I go, how many people were listening? He goes, he had about you know, 2,000. I go, no way. He goes, yeah, you really did. And I said, there's no way. But back in those days, you could get two to ten thousand people listening because there weren't that many networks, right? So I was just floored, and I kept trying to do it, and then, and I finally got better at it. I'm still terrible at it. And I here's the really fun part about this whole thing, you guys, is I became an artist and a professional dancer for a reason. It's because I don't speak well. My vocabulary is not that great, and I used to stutter terribly. So it's very difficult for me to talk. And being an artist on stage dancing, you don't have to talk, and you don't have to um, you know, do it while you're being a potter or a jewelry maker. <laughs> So I suddenly end up live on air. So I've I've tried to get better. I still say so too many times and I do a lot of ands and ums and, you know, buts, but I'm trying, you know, after 10 years, I've gotten a little better. So that's how it happened. I got tricked into being on radio. So I was never one of these people that said, oh, I got to have my own podcast. I've got to do all this. I just got tricked into it.
3: What you come across as very personable and very genuine. You don't come across as, as fake at all, which is really good because, you know, some of the people maybe are too highly trained and you don't necessarily want that either. I think you need a good balance. And we try to be that way here on, on the
5: podcast.
2: I love you guys. You know why? Because I'm sitting here and if we were all around the table having coffee together, this is the conversation we would be having. And that's what I pride myself on my show. You know, I pride myself now on my rants because um, I, oh, <laughs> do you guys you're know good about my rant. rants. <laughs> yeah. Well, for a while there, people were saying, you know, like, oh, wow, those are really crazy. And they were kind of giving me kind of weird feedback about them. And then I was going to stop doing them. And I got a deluge of email. I did. The network did. Everybody was writing, no, tell Laurie never to stop her rants. <laughs> so,
3: oh, yeah. Yeah. For yeah.
2: Sure. So now they're my trademark. I guess everyone
3: loves a good rant i mean
2: (laughs) well one of them said i'm the female alex jones of the paranormal ufo and his conspiracy communities i thought that was
1: great yeah but god watch out with the alex jones connection not because he's the main act for the network we're on gcn it's because he's suffered from lawsuits and everything you don't want oh that.
2: i know i know you know i've never been a huge fan but i do watch him every i gotta admit this to you guys i do watch him every once in a while just to watch him spit and froth at the mouth because it's so fun <laughs> he's an expert at
1: spitting and throth. well i don't want to say anything more at frothing
3: he's very frothy <laughs> I'm very frothy you, you see
1: but the problem is here as i get older people say you know he's going to start dribbling soon And I said, I don't play basketball, not since I was a kid. We don't mean that. We're going to break in a few moments here. And I want to just tell our listeners about some of the things we offer, like the Paracast Plus. The Paracast Plus is a subscription-based service. We offer the same radio show free of the network ads. Okay? That's part of it. We also offer the After the Paracast podcast. We're gonna ask Lorian Fenton if she wants to hang for that recording session. We also feature William Puckett. He's a longtime UFO investigator, and he's also a retired atmospheric scientist. So he can really separate the wheat from the chaff when it comes to UFO cases. You get all this for prices starting at just a buck and a half a week. Okay? Really. Go to plus.theparacast.com for more information. Plus Lorian Jean Randall, you're in The
14: Paracast.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit gcnlive.com today.
4: We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive paracast things that you can buy.
18: Hypertension runs in my family, unfortunately. I started having problems a number of years ago, and I had heard the commercials a number of times, and I personally do not like the idea of being on medication. (laughs) Even though I'm a physician, you would think, you know, that's our thing, but we just don't like it. So I I figured, you know, I'll start the product, and I did, and I gotta tell you, it does help. By the grace of God and that product, you know, my labs come back really good, all the time, right on the money. I used to always have, like, cold toes in the wintertime, and I used to love going down to Florida for my medical conferences. But since I've been taking the product regularly, I don't have that problem anymore. you got a great product there, Don, and I just wanted to tell you how appreciative I am. Thank you so much.
14: To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend
22: your life with Over.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
1: Okay, we're continuing to be flies on the wall, listening to Lorian Fenton, who, of course, can just command a room just by herself. <laughs> Go ahead, please.
2: Well, w- did you guys ever want to talk about UFOs and stuff today? Cuz I've had a you couple of sightings. Know. Oh yes, the UFO UFOs. Mystery. What are those? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I uh, help uh, You tell us what they are. Let's <laughs>
2: Oh my god. Well, I've had some amazing sightings in my entire you know, my life. I mean, my entire life has been kind of the paranormal. As they'd say, but just recently in the last 10 or 15 years, it's just gotten into the UFO community much deeper than I ever thought I'd go because, you know, this wasn't my thing. My thing was uh, JFK, conspiracies, psychic abilities, those type of things, and remote viewing. And yeah, I'm really into all that. But gosh, just suddenly it just all took a turn when I got really sick and I was doing all the other things I was doing. Turned out that um, I suddenly met. A whole bunch of people in the ufo community i became friends with george nori and tom danheiser and uh, the next thing i knew i was you know hanging out with all these ufo people it, it just kind of was weird but then i thought well you know if i'm doing ufos now and i'm d- digging into this and, and by the way i'd always studied all the ufo history and lore I had always studied it. I knew who Benny and Barney Hill were. I read everything about Whitley Strieber. Let's see. It was Art Bell's fault. I'm going to blame it on Art Bell. When I first heard Art Bell back in 1992 or 93, I started looking up all these people that were on the show talking about UFOs and aliens. I had already to that point done history you know taught myself the history of ufology done a lot of research into it i'd also read a lot of books and i'd also watched a lot of uh, old black and white documentary type cases from the air force nonetheless about ufos that are available in the public archives anyhow long story short i was well versed in it i just wasn't living it and then lo and behold i get sick and i decide well you know i might as well get involved in that community i met george and tom and started looking up people in UFO. And one of the reasons I was is because I was managing those speakers and authors. And Tom and I, when we get together and talk at conferences, he'd say, hey, have you met anybody new that you know knows anything about UFOs? And I'd say, no, not really, but I'll go start looking for them for you. Do you want them for the show? And they go, sure. Anyhow, so that's what I was doing. I was just kind of looking for people with UFO stuff uh, going on in their lives. And lo and behold, I started meeting all these people in the Bay Area. And I was like, oh, my God, there's just tons of UFO stuff going on here. I mean, people are seeing they would get up in the the middle of the night and there'd be over a whole flock of houses in the South Bay. And then I met Ruben Uriarte, who was the MUFON director for Northern California. And I walked up to him one day at a conference and said, you know what, I'm going to start a MUFON group. Is that okay with you? And he goes, sure, why not? <laughs> so the next thing I know, I start a MUFON group, and then it really breaks loose because every once a month, I've got every contactee in the Bay Area showing up at my MUFON meeting. So it gets really strange, but I will tell you, on 11-1-2014, I'd gone to my meeting With everybody. And I was sitting at the dinner table afterwards. I'm not going to go into all the detail, but bottom line was one of the guys got one of those uh, night vision monocles. I don't know if you guys know about those, but it's not a goggle. It's just the one uh, monocle. And he was going to go back to the senior center where we have our meetings into the parking lot. And he was going to try to film UFOs through the monocle that he'd hooked up to a a video camera. And I said, no, I really don't want to go. And, you know, I just was tired. I didn't want to go. There's a lot of other things going on that day, too. And I said, no, I'm not going. And he said, no, you've got to come. And I said, "Okay." finally, I gave up. And I came with these guys to the, the parking lot. And they're looking through this monocle. There's about eight of them there my friend diane was standing with me and i was really angry because i had not seen a ufo now technically i had seen a ufo before then plenty of them but i'd never really seen one up close okay they were not really close none of them at that time and I was kind of mad at the UFO people up in the sky. I was mad at who's ever driving them, whether it be the secret space program, the aliens, the reptilians, I don't know who's out there, military, whatever. I was like, I was mad at them. And I kind of, you know, pumped my fist at them mentally and said, I'm pissed at you guys. You never show up when I want to see you, you know. And lo and behold, I thought this, and the next thing you know there is a big giant triangle UFO with three lights in the corner and this glowing orange thing in the center. And the eight guys around the camera can't see it. I'm screaming UFO, UFO and they can't see it because they're all looking in the darn monocle thinking that, uh, you know, the night vision thing, thinking it's up above them, and it's right over the tree, (laughs) you know, not, I mean, it's, you know, 500,000 feet up, but it's over the tree at like a 35, 40 degree angle, and it's huge, you know, and it's there, and I'm like, oh my god, it's as big as my fist right in front of my face, so this thing's hanging out, and uh, it's there for about three seconds and i'm screaming ufo my friend diane sees it too and it turns out its lights kind of slides over to the right and then it's just takes off north and it's gone can't see it at all my girlfriend says to me Lauren, aren't you really happy you finally saw a big ufo and i'm like no i'm pissed because they, they finally they, you know they've They've drawn me back in now. Now I've seen other UFOs, so and now I got to keep doing meetings and doing all the things I'm doing, <laughs> you know. Because it's like, you know, it's it it's like a tease, you know. These guys just tease away. I don't. I wonder what their big agenda is. I mean, I wondered that every day. What about you guys?
3: Well, yeah, we talk about that fairly regularly on the show because, um, while Gene is uh, kind of undecided about what's going on, but. Yeah, i don't think i'd be misrepresenting eugene if i said well you do believe that something is going on that people are having genuine experiences and that we do have things like radar visual sightings and a whole bunch of cases so something is happening but,
1: i would go but, along we, with that and we can argue or debate what the source is but at this point nobody can prove anything we have a lot of evidence but we don't have a final answer And therefore, I guess anybody's speculation with some reasonable basis is worth considering,
3: right? Well, now, but I would take it a step further and say, I think we have enough evidence by way of first-hand experiences and the combination of investigations that have gone on, official and unofficial, over the years, to say that some sort of alien visitation has happened. Now. I don't know if it's still going on, but I think that back in the golden era, the late 40s, say through to the mid 70s, I don't think we had any technology uh, holographic or otherwise that could make people even think that there was a UFO there for sure. When you get into the better cases.
2: I agree. I totally agree. And I'm going to take it one step further. I have been doing so much thinking about this. I mean, I think about it every day. And I realized something a while back. And I know that all the contactees have thought this too. And I know that anybody who's had a sighting has thought this. We know that it's very personal. And I know that I can be standing in a room with 20 people and we all look out the window and maybe only four of us can see the UFO sitting out there. Okay, so right now you got 16 people who can't see a UFO and four that can. And of those four people, they might be seeing a different shape, each one of them, because that's how their perception sees it. And it, it, at that point, it becomes a personal thing to each one of them. And that's why I tell people I'm not a big fan, even though I put on conferences for, you know, experiencers to get up there and tell their story. I'm not a big fan of those people making a career out of ex- exchanging their story and telling their story to the world. You know, once on a radio show, once on a stage, yeah, that's great. I've done that once myself. I think it's fine. But I really think in the end, each one of these experiences we have is a personal experience and it's much more on a consciousness, spiritual growth level that is why we are being contacted as individuals and maybe as a group too. We
1: can get more into the possible issues regarding the contacting movement. Why? Why are people being contacted by some outside force? What are they? Can we believe what they tell us? Florian Fenton, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in The Paracast
0: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
23: Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Diarco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti infection, anti inflammation, and anti parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau d'Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves, the immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Tohibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Diarco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com or call
13: 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: So, Lorian, you get the point of what I'm saying here. We have people apparently being contacted by outside forces, and assuming it's not internal, and they give messages, and they say they're from this, that, and the other place. Why believe them?
2: Well, I think everybody needs to believe what has happened for them individually and personally. And that's you know that's my point about the whole thing and that's why I tell experiencers don't make this your day job because it's not going to ever be a day job. It's not something that other people need to really relish along the way. They, your story should not become part of their paradigm. Your story needs to be d- discovered by you. You need to understand why these quote unquote aliens or other dimensional beings or angels because I got to tell you guys something. I've been in contact With something my entire life. And I've always thought it as angels because that's what my grandmother told me was what she saw when she was 13 years old and dying this angel. And then she saw this angel over my crib in the hospital when I was dying. So, you know, whether it's an alien or an angel or, you know, whatever. I just personally think that everybody has to take that story in for themselves. It's their consciousness expansion experience, and they need to deal with it at the level that they they need to to either move on or become more religious or more expanded consciously or you know care about the environment more. I don't know why these individual aliens are contacting these individual earthlings, but whatever the reason is, I know it's not to make them dumber. I can tell you right now. And everybody I've talked to that is a major contactee, they are all completely different people than they were before the contact happened, or they're aware of the contact happening to them. They don't eat meat much anymore. They're worried about the environment. They care about other people on a deeper level. Some of them, like, do you guys know who Daniel Brinkley is?
3: Oh, yeah, we've heard. I mean, he was on when Art Bell was doing the Dreamland thing way back when. He's been yes. for ages.
2: Well, one of the great things about Danyan is he didn't speak to aliens. He always thought they were more like angel or God-type beings when he died all those times that he's died. But basically, he came back and he says, I'm not the same person I was before. And I think that goes for everybody who's had contact, too. They are not the same person they were before. And they need to understand why this is happening to them at that level. You know, whether it's real or not on a 3D level is irrelevant at this point. There's way too many people. People, this is happening to for it to be something that we have to sit around and go, well, it's real or it's not real. It's real to them. And that's the important part here. The same thing's happening to too many people, the same type of scenario. Here's, I'm going to throw a wrench into the works here though. Whether it's a mass mind control project by the government, I don't know. You know, there's always that possibility and I never throw that one out with the bathwater. But I have a feeling because everybody that changes and becomes a better person because of their experience that it's probably more of a spiritual other dimensional type of angel or alien or whatever we want to call it being that is communicating with us here at this
1: level this 3d earthly level you don't think then that maybe mother earth is giving us a warning take care of me or you will suffer
2: well, it could be. That could be how Mother Earth manifests, is through what our consciousness can handle. You know, why anybody would be sent a little bald-headed gray thing, I don't even get. You know, I got in, a woman walking through my wall that was totally beautiful out of this long white tunnel and told me all kinds of amazing things.
1: Well, maybe and, you uh, preferred the beautiful woman to the short gray alien. But yes. some people also saw leprechauns, and a leprechaun, I think, is some somewhat similar to a gray alien, right? Yeah, that's what
2: they were seeing in the 16th and 1700s, you know, fairies and leprechauns, you know.
3: Hang on a, a second. Let's back up to the beautiful women walking out of the wall. I kind of, first of all, I, I like that imagery, and uh, <laughs> if I can make that happen, <laughs> I, I'm down for it. So let, Well, like, you know,
2: let's, if it had been my choice, guys, it would have been Fabio or somebody gorgeous, you know. <laughs> I mean, or you know, or Harrison Ford, so you know.
3: How did this happen? Was this now, was this what you were calling your near-death experience, or was this nope. Else.
2: When I was about 19 years old and I was asleep and uh, I started to half wake up. And the next thing I know, I'm looking over to my left, which was the wall of my bedroom. And the wall completely opened up and this big white tunnel appeared. And this woman comes at me from a distance. And, and at, when she got to me is when I don't remember anything. All I remember is waking up the next day, but I know she had been there. You know, and, uh, you know, it's weird about all my experiences. Sadly, they've not let me remember things. Uh, the one time I did go uh, to another place, <laughs> I've had so many experiences. Which one do I talk about? Let's talk about the one where I was falling asleep and I felt this presence by the side of the bed and it felt, and it, my mind goes, oh, my angel's here. That's what I think. You know, and I felt this presence and I saw a bright light. I was just going to bed. I just closed my eyes. I see a bright light. I felt the presence. And then I feel the touch like a feather touch of drawing from the top of my forehead down to the bridge of my nose. I felt a finger just touching me there. And the next thing I know, I am in a place that is so beautiful, so full of love, so full of light. There's all kinds of beings around me. They're all full of love. It's just, it's it's so amazing. I can't even describe it to you guys. It was so freaking amazing. The next thing I know, I hear you have to go back. You've got work to do. And the next thing I know, I wake up in bed and I am like upside down in the bed. I don't even know how I got upside down in the bed. That was so crazy. It was one of those weird, like, if they took me out of my bed physically, they didn't put me back in right. I don't know if they did. I think it was more my consciousness left my body. Anyhow, when I got back, I was so upset about being back in my body because that's the other thing that near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences people don't tell you about is once you're back in your body, it feels like you're in concrete. And it's hard to move and it's hard to function and it's just – it's very difficult. That was one of the problems. The other problem was I really wanted to be there because I had lost – the love of my life years before, and I had a feeling he was there amongst those people. I just knew it, and um, I wanted to go back. You guys are going to believe this, but my husband at the time was working like 90 (laughs) hours a week. I exaggerate, but he was never home. This one night, he decided to come home for some strange reason. He was at work. He said, all I knew is that I had to get in the car and get home. And I did it. And I came home and he found me. I had OD'd on sleeping pills so that I could go back to that place he got me to the hospital and I'm fine. And they asked me at the hospital, are you suicidal and all that? And I said, no, I just want to get back to where I was. (laughs) So they let me go home. They didn't hold me for being crazy or anything, which they usually have to do. But (laughs) my husband said, no, if she's telling you that's what's going on, that's what's going on. You know? So it was pretty funny at the time, but I really, I, you guys, I'm not afraid to die now because of that experience.
1: You know, I'm going to bring something up that we talk about often on the PowerCast, and we're going to go into our next segment. We do have another guest who comes on every so often. His name is Red Pill Junkie, real name Miguel. And he wrote an article for our weekly newsletter, which is something he's talked about elsewhere, where he points out the comparisons, the resemblances between the near death experience and the ufo abduction and i'm exactly. gonna right now i'll ask laurian to comment on that in our next segment with gene randall and of course Lorian fenton our guest this week here in the Paracast.
9: thank you for listening to gcn visit GCNLive.com today
11: USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Louisiana Democrat Governor John Bell Edwards won re-election on Saturday. Edwards narrowly defeated his Republican opponent, Eddie Risponi, despite President Trump traveling to the state twice over the final 11 days to campaign for the GOP candidate. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement is moving forward and may be voted on by the end of this month. Democratic Congressman from Michigan Dan Kildee says stuff is getting done in Washington.
4: We spend a lot of time working with our fellow Republicans across the aisle, so that doesn't come through, I know, but it's hard to, uh, it's hard to sort of sit back and watch all the focus appeared to be on impeachment when there's a lot of business that this country needs to get at, and um, many of yeah. us are working on that.
11: Kildy speaking there on Fox News, and you're listening to USA Radio News.
22: Hi, everyone. Wayne Alla Listen carefully to another great offer on one of the most sought-after assets on Earth. The world of political turmoil just gets crazier and crazier. Impeachment hearings, China trade wars, Fed money bumping, which are creating bubbles that could burst any day now. With one exception, gold and silver, which are currently undervalued and have excellent growth potential in 2020. So here's another irresistible offer to help you cash in on asset protection while you still can. My sponsor, Swiss America, is willing to ship my listeners another popular silver coin. The U.S. Peace Dollar for just $16.50 each delivered. While supplies last. You heard me right. This is an exclusive offer to my listeners by calling 800-289-2646. Write it down. 800-289-2646. Get your supply of silver US peace dollars for just $16.50 each delivered. 800-289-2646 or go to SwissAmerica.com.
10: Call AIG Direct right now for a free no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you can save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-613-2646. That's 1-800-613-2646. 1-800-613-2646. This is
16: Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast the gold
1: standard of paranormal radio ah what about the resemblances between near-death experiences and ufo abductions she can glom on to that tell us more
2: Oh, yeah, because, you know, one of the things a few weeks after this it all happened and I was calmed down enough to say, oh, yeah, that was a while, but I'll never forget it. Now I'm not afraid to die. Thank God. It was really interesting to me because my uh, husband at the time, I think he was a major contactee, but never talked about it. And he just said to me one day in passing, he said, I don't know why I came home that night. He goes, I felt like I was being told to do it. And he goes, it may have been by those guys that come and take me. And I thought, oh, that's strange. And then I got to thinking, well, maybe it's them. You know, they were taking him. They took me and, you know, and I was being examined by aliens and they just made me feel all that love. And the reason I thought it might be them is because back when I was like in my 20s, I had two girlfriends that were both contactees. One of them was a really great psychic, too. And we all knew each other from um, the psychic uh, shop in Portland, Oregon. Anyhow, long story short, one of them was telling me one day, she goes, Yeah, the aliens came and took me the other night, and Fabio's always there waiting for me. And this is back in the, like, the, early 90s late 80s and she used to read romance novels all the time so she never saw gray aliens the whole time she was being taken she always saw this hunky looking swedish dude with long blonde hair and then my other girlfriend about two or three months later were at a party or something and she was telling me about her being taken by some kind of beings and she goes yeah but you know what's so weird it's always jesus christ that's there blessing me and she was very religious so I started thinking about, it. I thought, well, you know, this is really strange. They, they appear as something not to frighten you.
3: Okay, this is what we call it on the show here and in, in, in sort of over here in our world, or maybe it's only my world, I don't know. But what we say is that the phenomena mirrors the worldview of the experiencer.
2: That's right. Absolutely. This experience for me hadn't happened yet when I heard that from the two women, but I thought later, I thought, well, maybe the reason I thought it was an angel or a God experience is because of what my grandmother told me my entire life. So whenever I see this type of thing happens to me, I always think it's an angel and I always think I'm going to go talk to God in this beautiful place of love and these angels are all around me. So maybe that's, maybe it was a UFO experience and that's what they gave me to see. You're absolutely correct, Randall. I think it might have been. I don't know. You well, it know, seems I mean, very
3: no. common that the that the phenomenon mirrors the worldview of the experiencer. So whatever it is you're expecting is whatever you're going to be experiencing. Yeah, well, you know
2: the, about the new free study? If you guys, you've delved into it, I'm sure, on the show, right?
3: Uh, maybe not. Elaborate.
2: Oh, yeah, the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Extraordinary Experiences. I think that's what it's called. Uh, okay, sure. for Research for Extra- Extraordinary Experiences, right. which is moving into a new category altogether. But the point is they just released their, what, 800-page book about all the data they, they got from the 4,000 uh, experiencers that filled out all of their questionnaires. And 80-some percent said it was – it was not a scary experience they got to experience being loved and they felt like they knew the the entities and not all the time where they grazed they could, they could be anything they wanted them to be so you know yes I think like I said in the very beginning of you know this whole conversation is that it's a personal experience and it may just be that it's that a complex part of our brain if we're not being taken physically and it's a complex part of our brain that is actually helping us Assimilate into the next dimensional space. I don't know how to explain that. Like being prepared for death, maybe is the best way to describe it. And maybe we all do it at different levels. And maybe some of us do it by conjuring up a being from another reality that is going to take us into that next space. I don't know. Well,
3: that makes perfect sense. Really, when you when you're thinking about it. Personally, I don't believe that any sort of continuity of personhood that we are now is possible after the death of the body. There's just too many reasons why that can't happen. But that doesn't mean that there aren't phenomena or that something else might be going on and it certainly doesn't mean that people aren't having the kind of experiences that you describe because they are i have had experiences myself similar to what you describe so many other people have so i don't think it's it's wise to simply write them all off as sheer nonsense because They're not. They're socially important, if nothing else. And so much of the whole phenomena is a social phenomena. It's not just about nuts and bolts flying saucers.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And well, the nuts supposed flying saucers are the part to me that is actually more fascinating than the contact, because the contact, like I said, to me is a personal experience and it can range from just, you know, your neurons firing in your brain at a different frequency than the guy standing next to you or whatever. But when you've got five people standing there all looking at a UFO, that UFO has got to be there. Okay.
3: well, I've had dreams like I'm a Star Trek fan, and so I've had dreams about being on the Starship Enterprise in a Star Trek, like in a Star Trek. (laughs) And there's all the people. Right. So, I mean, what's happening, I'm quite confident. When I say that, I think what's probably happening with a lot of people is that their minds are manufacturing a whole world, and our minds can do that, and it can be very convincing. It can be as convincing as the real world, especially if you've ever had a dream where you think you're in the real world, but you still have to wake up from that one. You know, the whole dream within a dream thing.
2: Yes. Oh,
3: absolutely. Uh, I mean, Our minds are incredible.
2: And yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just saying that is one end of the spectrum. And I think the people right now that might really have some answers when it comes down to it is Kit Green and and um, oh gosh, I can't see it. Gary Noland. Yeah, the guys that have been working on this through the uh, you know Department of Defense and you know all these different agencies over the years and Bob Bigelow and the gang, um, I, I think those guys have really figured out what it is and we're just not privy to it yet. And I think at some point we're going to know. And if they walked out on a stage tomorrow and said, "Hey, folks, you know the UFO guys are real. They do take you. They take you um, physically. They take your um, astral body or your molecular body. They take your mind." they take this they take that they're absolutely real so here we go that's the truth you know i I wouldn't believe
3: them because that makes no sense at all to me. But, yeah, no, I think that they were on the wrong track, or they're trying to deceive us, or it's another part of the conspiracy.
2: Well, then there's that. I simply
3: wouldn't. There's no well, way you they've got that. <laughs> the
2: CIA, so I wonder if they would tell us the truth. But, yeah, yeah. you know, if they haven't said anything for so long. I'm beginning to wonder if there isn't a component to that that's real, you know. Just to you know, play devil's advocate for a second. If they were, if they could prove that it was all in our mind, don't you think they would have said something by now?
3: Well, it's not all in our mind. That's just the thing. I think we're dealing with different phenomena. I think that we've got actual nuts and bolts UFOs in some cases, especially what we were talking about before back in the golden era, back from the late 40s into say the mid-70s, when we had radar visual reports and They would send pilots up to chase them, and the pilots would see them and lock on with their radars. You don't lock on to some mind thing with a radar and a jet, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, so there are real craft of some kind. Well, we can Uh, that's the core of the whole UFO thing, but are the objectively, physically real alien craft actually responsible for people's? UFO experiences in right. every instance.
2: Right, yeah, and, and you know, and there, you know, I gotta say, I'm kind of leaning in your direction, too. I don't know. I'm, like I said, on the fence. I'm always on the fence about this stuff, because if you, if you take your yourself down one path only, then you're just, if something new comes along, you're not going to be aware of it when it hits you. That's all I'm saying. And I, I I think you could be right. I think I could be right. You know, we both could be right. It's It's just You know, it's difficult to say at this.
1: We've got to do our break, and then we'll have one more segment to spend more time with Lorian Fenton. And I'd like to get her back on after the Paracast. We'll talk to her later about it. We've got more to come, therefore, with Jean, Lorian, and Randall, you're in. The Paracast.
9: You are listening to GCN.
1: Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host.
20: How would you like to hit the range tomorrow with a brand new gun? Because the United States Concealed Carry Association wants to give you a free gun right now. That's right, completely free. The USCCA is here to give every responsibly armed American the education, training, legal and financial protection they need. And today they're giving you not one, but four free chances to win $1,000. Simply text GCN to 87222 to get entered now, and you'll get four free chances to win $1,000 for any gun you want. Text GCN to 87222 and get entered today. But remember, these free guns won't be around forever, and you can't win if you don't enter. So don't miss out. Just text GCN to 87222 and get your four free chances to win now. That's GCN to
15: This is Marie D. Jones, the author of this book is from the future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal
5: radio.
1: We're on our last segment, Laurie, so maybe we should cover the things that we haven't had a chance to cover before. Tic-tacs,
10: tic-tacs. Let's talk about tic-tacs. Okay. <laughs>
2: I love that darn disclosure stuff that's going on. What about you guys? To the Stars Academy, what's your thoughts?
3: This is where we're going to go right back to holograms and the kind of things that they can do with those now. Uh, We got talking about this with Kevin D. Randall, and I proposed the idea that what that TIC-TAC was was actually some sort of advanced Navy countermeasures that they were testing during an actual naval exercise. and. All of its movements could be explained by some sort of holographic technology in combination with other countermeasures and radar spoofing. So do we need to assume that it was really an alien craft? I don't think so.
2: Yes. One third of me says it was exactly what you're talking about. It was some type of new uh, whatever, cloaking device or holographic or some kind of things that they they were testing out. But then a third of me also says, well, it could be actually a drone craft from a a bigger craft somewhere. And then the other part of me says, well, what if it's another government's type of surveillance system that's similar to our satellite system that they've learned how to use an extra type of propulsion to that we're just not aware of so there we go and that's maybe why the government was so freaked out about it is because they didn't realize that another government was this far advanced of us
1: that's a possibility i mean uh, sure problem i have also with this current study and the tic-tac thing it kind of says the government knows nothing about ufos and learned nothing in 70 years hmm well, there's that. Now, which part of the government are we
2: talking about? Are we talking about the CIA? Are we talking about the Department of Defense? Are we talking about Bob Bigelow's group? Are we talking, you know, who are we talking about here? Like I said, Hal off Gary Nolan, Kit Green, Chris Mellon, uh, you know, all those guys. What they know, it may be completely different than what they're even telling us. It's hard to say.
3: You'd probably agree, though, Lorian, that the government, in just say those agencies the military agencies of the government that are responsible for monitoring all of the our skies and our our territories and let's face it they have got a lot of monitoring power they monitor Tons of stuff, all the way down to our communications. They've got satellites out in space that can look back on the moon from past the moon. They've got satellites that can make out a license plate from space. That's okay, right. So I don't think it's reasonable for someone to say they don't know more than we do.
2: I agree. They've
3: got to know a lot more than we do.
2: Uh, well, here's the part that bothers me about the whole thing. is Were you guys watching the Unidentified series on TV? on the history channel but i'm not the
1: kind of person who likes to watch reality shows
2: okay well the premise of that whole show in a nutshell is that we need to be afraid of whatever's out there okay in the very last six part episode they had a helicopter supposedly being shot down by a laser beam from a ufo they put that out there to the american public And it was proven two years before the show even aired that that was a faked video. And they put it out there anyhow, and they said, wow, the UFOs are shooting a military craft. You know, what are we going to do? You know, we got to be afraid. I mean, that's the bottom line here. So if that's their slant. the stars academy or the tv show unidentified which is to the stars academy and the military's version of we need money to fund a star wars type of defense out there so if that's going on and they're getting that money maybe they actually don't know what these tic tacs are all about or why would they even be so you know, hell-bent on telling you that we got to be afraid of this kind of stuff and going to Congress and saying, we don't know what those Tic Tacs were. We need more money to go after them.
3: Well, that all makes perfect sense. And it actually fits in with the whole idea that it is some technology of ours, some sort of countermeasures, because all of that hype that you're just talking about would act as um, – to deflect as sort of disinformation to other countries so that they would think well they if they think in other words that we don't know what it is then the assumption is that we don't have that technology but let's just suppose we do that's Mm -hmm. very powerful technology that can be used i mean if you can make some sort of craft appear on radar and visual in a combat situation, you can deflect all kinds of attention away from your people. I mean, it would just be amazing to do. Nobody well, would really know what's real anymore.
2: Exactly. And I totally get that. And that was one of the first things I thought, too. It's it's just a big old what they call a red herring type of thing where they're just going to you know keep saying, oh, we don't know what's going on. But in reality, they're they're pulling all the strings, right?
3: Exactly. And this yeah. would help them get the more money to yeah, but develop I- the program.
2: Okay, so they did go to Congress. They did get more money, and it was all because they they said we're afraid of these tic tac thingies, right? Right. Okay, so which would
3: be a way of getting the money without saying it's our tic tac thingy?
2: Yeah, right? but how did they get the money in the first place? See, that's what I'm. It's like it's kind of a conundrum
3: that $14 trillion or whatever it was disappeared in 9-11. Exactly. Before we end the show, let's talk a little bit about what you've got coming up with UFOCon 2020.
2: I have an amazing conference coming up. Like I said, you guys, I'm always on the fence. So what I'm trying to do this time at UFOCon, last year it was all about disclosure and I had a lot of nuts and bolts people there. I had people that were lawyers and I had the scientists and it was a very nuts and bolts event. This this year I'm heading towards the experiencer event. What I'm doing is I'm bringing in people that have never spoken before and I want to hear their stories and what's happened to them, what they believe's happened to them. What I'm trying to do this year is I'm trying to give everybody a real you know, insight into people that you've never heard from before so that you can start comparing notes about what people are actually experiencing these days and some of these people have been experiencing stuff their entire life, all kinds of phenomena. It's interesting what's happened for this conference is the minute I started putting it together, the people I initially wanted couldn't make the conference, and then people would crop up that I didn't know of or really knew that well, and it turns out that they were talking a lot about these mantid beans the focus for this year's show I guess is going to be all about their relationship with these manted aliens so I think it's going to be very interesting so I've got quite a few of those people showing up I got oh I probably shouldn't say who it is because he hasn't signed his contract yet so I'm not going to say it but I've got one of the top experiencers in the United States that has gone quiet for a very long time so bottom line, folks, check it out. UFOCon2020.com. Check it out and try to be there. It's going to be a very interesting show this year. UFOCon2020.com.
1: Briefly, tell us about your other stuff and how we find it.
2: Oh, my radio shows. You can go to LorienFenton.com. That's my name, L-O-R-I-E-N, Fenton, F and Frank, E-N-T-O-N.com. And my radio shows are listed there.
1: We were going to have so much fun talking about her name, Lorien, and where it derives from. And maybe she's going to have to come back on After the Paracast. And we'll ask her about that when we get done to explain what that means. You can find us on Twitter, by the way. I don't know why, but (laughs) if you are a member of Twitter, look for the Paracast. Look for the Paracast on Facebook. We try to observe all the privacy considerations. We have a community and a group and all that good stuff on Facebook. We also have the After the Paracast podcast. Quickly, Lorian, would you have a half hour or so, maybe tomorrow, to spend with us for more stuff?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, sure.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, she's going to join us on After the Paracast. What that is, is an uncensored show, no interruptions at all, no commercial interruptions, only offered if you subscribe to the Paracast Plus. For more information, go to plus.theparacast.com. And also, if... You subscribe, you get a special version of the PowerCast with enhanced audio, free of the network ads. I mean it, free of the network ads, part of the PowerCast Plus with more features coming. Some music from Randall, by the way. Listen, you got to subscribe. Prices start at just a buck and a half a week, $1.50 a week. For more information, go to plus.thepowercast.com. That's plus.thepowercast.com. We enjoyed being flies on the wall for Lorian Fenton. She's great. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast.
2: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
0: The Paracast.